an editor for the Oxford University Press, I first met Frank Neufeld when, in about 1958, I joined the Typographic Designers of Canada, the TEC it was called. It is now the Graphic Designers of Canada. It was founded by Frank and two other skilled Englishmen and Alan Fleming, a brilliant Canadian typographer, who were shocked by the poor standard of Canadian book design. Frank was president in 1959. I was president in 1961 and 62. 1958 to 1964 and after were great years made possible by the Roland Paper Company, which sponsored an annual design exhibition and catalogue that showcased the best of Canadian typographic design in books, magazines, newspapers, and printing for commerce. This activity created a pronounced improvement from year to year in Canadian design. In one of the catalogues, Franks writes, the Canadian book, so thoroughly criticized in the past, now receives encouragement abroad and is also earning a reputation for interesting format. Unfortunately, it is having its growing pains. In his introduction to the section on books, he characterized three different approaches to book design. The, quote, printer-designed book, the, quote, editor-designed book, and the, quote, designer-designed book, which had begun to make its presence felt, mainly by Frank. Frank himself is an illustrator-designer, not merely because he often decorated or illustrated the books he designed, but because he brought to the ones that contain nothing but type, such as poetry books, a flair for ingenious but pleasing and disciplined type patterns, for graceful solutions to fussy textual problems. His design work benefits from both his painter's eye and the designer's taste. In his very wide range of work, designer and artist are balanced, and a kind of inspired rightness prevails. Frank founded his own design company in Toronto with Keith Scott. In 1963, he joined the firm of the prominent publisher McClellan and Stewart as art director, eventually becoming vice president publishing and a member of the board of directors. We are told that Frank Art directed over 600 books of international provenance. I can believe this, and has won over 170 awards. He is a member of the Royal Canadian Academy. So evidently you, Mr. William Toy, admire Frank Neufeld's work. Uh, yes, of course I do. He is he's brilliant. This is a book I self-published, William Toy and Canadian Literature. Okay. And in it is my retirement address at the end as an addendum, and I thought I'd read you two extracts from that, Great. which again is a memoir of my career. I became interested in book design and taught myself typography. I now have a good many books on both subjects. In the middle 50s, the Typographic Designers of Canada was formed, mainly by highly skilled Englishmen who were shocked by the poor standard of Canadian book design. They had as their ally the late Alan Fleming, a Canadian typographic designer who was actually better than all of them and who had a great influence on me. He designed a logo for our school department that was used for many years. A couple of years later, I was thrilled to be asked to join and soon became a secretary. I was dubbed a licentiate because my work was not good enough for full membership. I was not in the least surprised or depressed by this. I was simply challenged to increase my expertise and my fellow members were a great help to me. I believe it was in 1960, after my self-designed book, The St. Lawrence, was published, that I became a full member. And for two years in the early 60s, I was president, when I remember having a wonderful array of guest speakers at our regular meetings, who included many of the big international names in design and typography. 
I particularly remember time spent with Hermann Zaff, who designed the Palatino and Optima typefaces. From 1958 to 1964, the Roland Paper Company subsidized an annual book design composition, which our association administered. The subsidy included paying the jurors, financing a catalog, and an exhibition of the winning entries, along with award certificates and a banquet. I still had the catalogs in my office, I say. They're in the basement right now. Those were great times. <laughs> I'd love to get my hands on those. <laughs> well, is, is, you can't, is, I, I can't give them to you. Should I no. give them to you? No, I mean, no. I'd love to see them, though. All I, right, I'll show them to uh, you. Yeah, yeah. Now, this uh, goes into my, uh, some of my work on children's books. One of my jobs was to produce the annual juvenile catalogue the Oxford Juvenile Catalogue, and I knew the distinguished English list very well. I was inspired to try to create some Canadian books that were worthy of it, at a time when there were not that many Canadian children's books, and very few good ones. I did not produce a big list, but some titles were published in London and New York, and went on selling for many years, and some won awards. One day in November 1967, the young Elizabeth Cleaver went to Judith St. John, the head of the Osborne Collection of Early Children's Books in the Toronto Public Library, and told her that she wanted to start a career as a children's book illustrator. Judith said that the friends of the Osborne Collection were having a meeting that evening and that I'd be there. Quote, you should come and meet Mr. Toy, she said. Elizabeth did. She showed me the slides of two collages she had done. They were beautiful. I told her that I was helping two young women compile the first anthology of Canadian verse for children, which became The Wind Has Wings, and that I was looking for an illustrator. She would be an excellent choice. I had never before, and have never since, made such a quick, spontaneous commitment. But I was later thankful that I had. I didn't hear from Elizabeth until January, when she phoned. Her voice sounded weak and distant, as she asked if I still wanted to do illustrate that book. Yes, I said, but what's wrong? You don't sound well. I'm in the hospital, she replied. She had had a colostomy and had nearly died. She never tired of telling me, later, that after that phone call, the graph on her chart took an upward swing. Her doctor was pleased but surprised and asked her what had happened. She told him that she now had something to live for. She began her first illustration about three months later, and the book was published in the fall of 1968 to great success. Her method was to make lino cuts for her figures and monoprints with wonderful textures and colors, which she tore for her backgrounds. Elizabeth was a very courageous person, and courage was needed because I was a hard taskmaster as we worked together at her Montreal apartment. I made her create new and improved compositions over and over, often saying, no, you can do better. Sometimes in the early years of our association there were tears, but she recovered quickly and persevered. And she took great delight in seeing that the picture we ended up with was streets ahead of her first one. We did eight Oxford books together and one non-Oxford, and I wrote the text for most of them. Her last book, The Enchanted Caribou, was published shortly after she died in the summer of 1985, but she saw it. Sadly, the cancer occurred in her liver. Once more I received a phone call from her in hospital. 
I went immediately to Montreal, joining her brother and sister, and she died three days later. A few hours before, she held out her hand and said goodbye and thanked me. I thanked her for the legacy she was leaving for children, saying something about each book and recalling her creation of them. As she listened, she smiled and closed her eyes. Then she fell asleep. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, perhaps what we could do, and, and I should introduce you as William Toy, CM, uh, retired in 1991 from Oxford University Press Canada, of which he was appointed editorial director in 1969. The author of The St. Lawrence, 1959, he edited the popular anthology, A Book of Canada, 1962, the Oxford Anthology of Canadian Literature, second edition, 1981, co-edited with Robert Weaver, and was general editor of the first edition of the Oxford Companion to Canadian Literature, 1983, co-editor with Eugene Benson of the second edition, 1997, and editor of the concise edition, 2001. He was the founding editor in 1956 of the Tamarack Review, an important literary magazine that appeared for 25 years. In 1995, he was awarded the Order of Canada. In 1996, he received an honorary MA from Oxford University. And in 2004, he was given an honorary doctorate by Victoria College, University of Toronto. He has most recently finished work on the second edition of the Oxford mm -hmm. Companion to Canadian Literature, published in 2011. Welcome to the Bibliophile. <laughs> so perhaps what we could do is start by talking about the books that you are most proud of, uh, having participated in or, or designed. Primarily we're talking from the perspective of a book collector who's interested in books designed by Canadians. Well, so I can uh, chat about the, the books I've laid out. Now, have you seen Elizabeth Cleaver's books? I wrote the text for most of them. Okay. Yeah. These are extraordinary. They're they are. They really are. You know, she did lino cuts, you know. And uh, the, the, the work we did together had to do with applying the various figures that she had cut out. And I got her to change them over and over and over again until they all had a kind of energy. She improved them greatly. And I think they are wonderful. I never tire of looking at them. Bright and actually, the expressive. native people uh, are strongly disapproving of white people uh, appropriating their voice, you know, so that the books are all out of print. It's too bad. Because I went to a lot of trouble uh, to um, popularize uh, in Indian mythology mm -hmm. by going to Ottawa and looking up the stories and retelling them in a, in a way that you know made sense to me. So these are primarily lino cuts. Them and colored papers, which she yes. tore. And she just tore them. She knew how to tear them. And, and she often introduced uh, real nature. Now, these are pieces of grass. That what? Did you photograph? No, she pasted them on. She, they were all photographed by the printer. As I look at them now, uh, you know, isn't that beautiful? It, it I think is. it's a great pity that they're not being seen by children today. Well, again, the place to get these, then, is used bookstores. Well, is where I you wonder, would find them. I wonder. They must be very precious now. Now, this is in print. Uh, it's necklace. And I, I told it. It's a classic story. And uh, Oxford reprinted it. I don't know uh, how it happened, I mean, considering the natives. But there it is. Uh, just let's just... I'll read out the... Uh, the titles of them, How Summer Came to Canada, 
the mountain goats of Temlahan. Mm-hmm. The new wind has wings. We we talked about that. The loon's necklace. The uh, fire stealer. The fire stealer. So would you say that these are the books that you're most proud of having uh, written and produced? Well, I'd put it in a different way. The books that I'm very proud of having commissioned and helped the illustrator to create, because they are, they are a wonderful accomplishment. The jackets are, are brilliant and bright, mm-hmm. and, and the boards also have beautiful yes. lino cuts yes. on them. She was a very gifted artist. I enjoyed working with her. And she had such a short life, but I assisted with the latter part of her life. I was very much part of it. Well, and you so kept her alive, I would well, suggest, yes. mm-hmm. or no helped. Mm-hmm. What years would these have been then? 69 to over a course of what, Well, five years? Uh, Anything else in the children's book yeah. realm? Well, uh, uh, I was a, a, a friend of Marius Barbeau's very well-known Canadian ethnologist and whatnot, and he published a lot of books himself. Uh, We published uh, English translations of several of them. And uh, one of his books was a collection of uh, children's stories. And uh, I got uh, Michael Horiansky, who is in the Department of English at Brock University, uh, to uh, retell them. He did a brilliant job. And they came out in this uh, format as the Golden Phoenix. Again, it was a hardback with the jacket originally. Uh-huh. The illustrations were by Arthur Price, who was Marius, Marius's son-in-law. And so once again, what you're doing is introducing one group of Canadians to another. Yes, yes. I had a missionary uh, ambition at Oxford, you know. I felt back in those days when I was starting that nobody knew anything about Canada or the past or anything like that. And I would tell them. So I did in various ways, including writing. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) especially getting them when they're young. Yes. The book I'm most proud of is the book I wrote, the St. Lawrence. It was published in 1959 in order to... uh, uh, coincide with the opening of the St. Lawrence Seaway. Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, proud of this, the, uh, the preliminary pages, a map of the river. The extended preliminaries. Uh, yes. It's certainly reminiscent of Frank Neufeld's extended preliminaries, except yours goes on a bit longer, yes, doesn't yes. it? Yes, uh-huh. It's taking the full extent of the river no, I, over, I, what, about six, seven, eight pages. Yes. And uh, I hired... Um, Leo Rampen to illustrate it, and it was a brilliant stroke. Uh, he's a, a Dutch Canadian, and we're still friends. Now, I want to show you this. This was inspired by this Hunter's Guide from Niagara to Quebec, price $1. It opens with a map, sort of a pull out map. Mm-hmm. And I, I lent that to uh, Leo, and that he produced his map from it. It goes on and on and on. Yeah. Hunter's Guide from Niagara to Quebec by W.S. Hunter. And there's a gilt design on the front cover, and it is published by Hunter and Pickup, printed by John Lovell, St. Nicholas Street, 1860. Is this Montreal? Yes. It doesn't say Montreal, but it must be, because uh, that's where Lovell was. Mm-hmm. So what a what a beautiful oh and you've got yeah. some silver gilt on the yes. on the cover. Yeah. 
and this was printed in, produced in England. And now the, the line drawings are lovely, you know. Yeah. It's, it's really outstanding. And this, again, is sort of the history of the St. Lawrence, yes. bringing us yeah. up to... St. Lawrence Seaway, you know, there was a big to-do. Do. Who was the president? Eisenhower. Eisenhower he came and, up and uh, the Queen. They opened it. Right. 1959, when this was published. What do you like? I mean, obviously the preliminaries are beautiful. And the, the, the line drawings, there's also some photographs in here. Yes, and two of them are that... The one behind me. That's in it. These are old prints that mm-hmm. you have of different parts. Those are modern reproductions, but the one behind me is an original engraving which I bought in London. Mm. It's the Harvey Smith. Now, as I said, as a result of this book, I was made full member of the TDC and then president. And you designed and wrote this book, correct? Yes. And it won the Children's Book Award of the Year, given by the Library Association. I went to Ottawa to get the medal. I felt okay. that uh, kid, kids should know about Carte, and as a result of all my research for the St. Lawrence, I produced this text, and Laszlo Gall did the illustrations. This was his first uh, illustrated book uh, in Canada, and he went on to illustrate a lot of others. So isn't that nice? It's really, really, again, it's got that same sort of feel to it that Elizabeth Cleavers has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big, colorful... Uh-huh. So, children's books played an important role then in, in your work. Yes, uh, important, but uh, you have to keep in mind that I was, besides being an editor, the production manager, I produced all our books and designed most of them. I also edited a lot of adult books, more adult books than children's books. I wasn't devoting myself entirely. I was publishing poetry, the well-known poets. No, but what's interesting to me is that the books that you've chosen to show me... Uh-huh. A very good representation of children's books. Well, yes, I did work hard on them. I got Frank to uh, produce this book, and this is based on one of the stories in The Golden Phoenix. And this one's called The Princess of Tomboso. Yeah. Oxford University Press. Yes. And uh, you could tell Frank's uh, design, mm-hmm. can't you? It's mm-hmm. very distinctive. And he has a sense of humor. He makes that evident. Yeah, it really livens up the, mm-hmm. the text. Colour on every page. So that's quite an achievement too. What else within your purview as both the editor and the production manager at Oxford, were there any books that would be particularly desirable for the collector? Uh, and I'm, what I'm thinking is specifically extra attention paid to the production values or the cost of the materials or... There's something that stands out. Theo Dimson died just recently in January in the, in the obituary, and he did a lot of work for me. And this is and one of those books? Children's book that he illustrated. He was most known drawings. for his posters. Yes, but I mean, he was brilliant. Have a look at the illustrations. They're wonderful, because he did a lot of things. He did uh, Christmas cards, invitations, and everything he did was perfection. Oh, he did the jacket for the first Oxford Companion. Nora Story's Oxford Companion. That was published in 1967. These posters have got a real art. They've got a real Art Deco feel to them, uh-huh. don't they? Who else caught your eye and your respect? Frank Newfeld, Theo Dimson, Alan Fleming. And why? Why Alan Fleming? Well, he was a brilliant designer. I mean, everything he put his hand to was perfection, like the CN symbol. 
I remember once he told me, he told me uh, that he, he had to make a presentation in New York for a new logo for the CN, and he had nothing to show. He got on the plane, and he pulled out a pad, I guess, or some paper, and started to play around with his pen, and he just drew CN like that. And he said, there it is! <laughs> It just came to he him. He described that to me. Yeah. That just come from from a discussion about Fleming with Fulford. Fulford. Yeah. And what he told me is that, that Fleming came up with a brilliant rationale for that design uh-huh. that all the most memorable, greatest symbols uh-huh. are one line. He, he probably had that in his mind while he was doing this. Uh-huh. So there's a sort of intellectual mm-hmm. and a creative mm-hmm. working together. Mm-hmm. And it came up with the perfect symbol. Yeah, and it's still in use today mm-hmm. after 50... How many mm-hmm. logos can you say that of? Mm-hmm. You've taken out a, a beautiful cover here mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. of A Suit of Nettles, mm-hmm. a poem by James Rainey. Yeah, that was an important design. This design, this was in gold. This is a second edition, the paperback. A boatman by J. McPherson, Oxford University. 1956. Yeah. So that's very early. This was gold ink and it yes. sort of rubbed off yes. to look black yes. now? Yeah. I see, okay. And where did you get that design well, from? I'm looking for it. Okay, sorry. It's a swirling depiction of a Caliban character sitting on a big mm-hmm. fish. That's a lovely book. Yes, it is. The Baroque book illustration. Ornament by Pierre Ferrens after Jean de Beaugrand from Beaugrand's Pancrestographie, Paris, 1604. <laughs> and so you took that uh-huh. and folded it over the spine uh-huh. so that it goes on the back and, uh-huh. and the front cover. Uh-huh. I had bought this book, you know, it was in my library, and I discovered it. I knew right away that it would be perfect. Obviously, you'd read the text. Yeah, I was her editor. I, see. I knew the poems very well. When I saw that, I connected the two. Is that that's obviously an important component of good book design: reading the text thoroughly and then boiling it down to some essential image that that you feel does justice to that text. Because you edited so many of them, you were mm-hmm. intimately. Mm-hmm. Uh, familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Was there a process, or is it just sort of stuff popped into your head? Or Well, every book's different. I mean, the approach mm-hmm. to every book is different, but the the book that I think of as being created gradually was Peggy Atwood's The Journals of Susanna Moody. We published all her poetry for years until I retired, and then McClellan and Stewart took over. We didn't publish her first book, which was published by Nancy Press, but all the books after that we did. That one you're talking about, was that the one in the slipcover, the cloth? No. Charlie Pactor did his own edition of it, with illustrations that I didn't like at all. So this is, was, came out in paperback? Yes. As a first I edition? Al- I was always uh, constrained by costs, you know, yes. Oxford, you know. Yeah. I had to produce them cheaply, and... Uh, that was always a struggle because um, most poetry books uh, had a very short run. Yeah. However, this was an exception because it's still in print. 
I was going to say, it looks like it's in its 16th Well, it's, it's printing. more like 20 or mm. 25. By now, yeah. Uh-huh. Her contract said she had to uh, offer her all her books to Oxford. But when that she produced that, she sent it to me. And she said she wanted a Nancy to publish it. She wanted to give it to them because for personal reasons. And when I read it, I read it the night of the day she sent it to me. I said... It's, it's, it's Canadian history. I said, it's, it, we have to publish it. It's close to me, you know. I can find illustrations, period illustrations, uh, and we've got to publish it. So she, I pressed her, and she said, all right, but they'll get my next book. And it was Power Politics, which was also a big bestseller. So I got this. And I, I went had a huge collection of photographs of early, you know, Ontario and Toronto, and I gave them to her, and she used them in this way, and she she did her own drawings, and... Uh, so juxtaposed them yes, on, on, the, on, on a photograph. So I think it's charming. <laughs> and the poems are wonderful. Well, it pays to push a little bit then. Mm-hmm. But really, uh, although we're focusing in on, on design, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a bit about your well this has been called your magnum opus would you would you agree with that the oxford companion yes. to canadian they, literature they were, it's quite an incredible a lot of work. feat are there canadian books that have been published that have a wow factor for you well yeah uh, yes roloff benny in canada by longmans isn't that spectacular to everything there is a season. Dazzling, isn't it? Photographed and designed by Roloff Benny himself, it mm. looks like. Oh, yeah. So what is it about this book that excites you? It's so lavish. A lot of money went into it, you know, which doesn't happen often, or didn't happen often in Canadian publishing. What's the story behind Roloff Benny? Well, he was an artist um, whom I met, and... Uh, he was a high flyer. He cultivated a lot of uh, celebrities, friends, and made a lot of money. I'm not quite sure how. And he eventually be- he became a friend of the uh, wife of the, uh, of the Shah of Iran. And he did a book on Iran that was, again, very lavish. When I met him, he was living in Toronto, but he died in Rome. He sought <laughs> the spotlight, but he used, you're suggesting that he had... And he was a celebrity himself. Perhaps not like many celebrities. He was creative and he had talent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything else that comes to mind that you're particularly uh, fond of? Uh, the, yes, there's another that I thought I had. Lorraine Monk's a picture book of Canada, whose title I've forgotten. That's the book that uh, Alan Fleming designed. Yeah, oh, he did. It was published, I think, in 1967. The NFB put that out. And Ro- Robert Reed's Notman. 